This week on Geeksplained, a special news roundup from every corner of geek culture. The first Captain Marvel trailer has debuted from Marvel Studios. Trouble is brewing at DC between Henry Cavill and Warner Brothers. And new photos have surfaced of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker film. All this and more on this week's episode of the Geeksplained podcast. Welcome back to Geeksplain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we Geeksplain it. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode uh, went through a couple different drafts. Uh, originally, this was supposed to be a uh, full, in-depth kind of look at uh, Spider-Man PS4 that came out uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh this past Thursday, I platinumed it 100% of the game. Uh, I loved it short-term uh, <laughs> uh short version of that uh that review is that i love the game it's amazing uh then it went through a couple other different versions because some things happened and enough things happened in the past week that i just decided you know what this will just be kind of a news roundup of everything that's going on because we've got a lot to talk about so um this is going to be a little bit different from uh, typical episodes. If you're new here, welcome. Thank you for uh, giving us a listen and tuning in. Um, this isn't typically what I do. Normally, I'll do kind of breakdowns of characters, of storylines, top five lists. But uh, enough happened in this past week that I think it's warranted that we kind of go through and break down all the stuff that did happen. So um, yeah, we'll jump right into it. We've got a few different things on the docket. And then of course, at the end of this episode, stay tuned uh, for this week's uh, segment of This Week in Comics, where I will go over the comics that I'm picking up at uh, my local comic shop, and I think that you should pick up too. But first thing that we're going to jump into uh, is the Captain Marvel trailer that debuted uh, yesterday, Tuesday. So it debuted on Tuesday, which was the, um, I want to say it was the 70th anniversary of the uh, United States Air Force. So uh, to everyone who is uh, active military, retired military, uh, veterans, thank you very much for your service. And it was kind of cool that they dropped this trailer and, with uh, Carol Danvers' background in the Air Force. I thought it was pretty cool that they decided to drop it uh, on that same anniversary. But this trailer has a lot going on. Um, I think I will go ahead and say off the bat that I wasn't as blown away by this trailer as I expected to be. Uh, I really, that's not to say I didn't enjoy it. I really did enjoy it, but I, I kind of expected more, a little bit more cohesion. Uh, this seemed like a lot of throwing things at the viewer and hoping that something jumps out to them. And there were a few things that did jump out to me. Uh, and I'll get into that in just a second. But, um, 
I think this trailer was really supposed to introduce us to Carol Danvers and really uh, let us know what her arc is going to be in this film. And I think they touched on it, they hinted at it, but they didn't really explain it. So um, I'm hoping that in subsequent trailers, since this is coming out in March, uh, that will get a little bit more info. I'm not asking to be spoiled. I don't want the whole plot of the film to be spoiled for me. But the purpose of these trailers is to get you hyped for the film and to get you uh, to give you kind of a basic understanding of what you're going to be buying your ticket for. So again, I really enjoyed the trailer, but I am hoping that better ones are coming from this. So um, I got my notes here. We'll check those out so uh first thing that the trailer immediately sets up is that this is a period piece now normally when you hear period piece you think uh world war one like with wonder woman uh you think the 70s you think you know just another period victorian era uh those kind of far removed eras that we are jumping into so it's almost jumping into another world but with this period piece it's early to mid 1990s and <laughs> the uh the film drops you immediately into that world by literally dropping carol danvers into a blockbuster video uh now for our younger viewers who have no idea what i'm talking about uh blockbuster was a store that you could go into a physical store that you could go into and rent uh, movies, TV shows, video games, and that was kind of its purpose. Now with the advent of Netflix and streaming services and everything, Blockbuster kind of went the way of the dinosaurs. But uh, I really liked the way that this framed the trailer. I really like that this set up our expectations immediately, that Carol Danvers is falling through the sky, I'm assuming out of some kind of ship, whether it be uh, her ship, an enemy ship, and just crash lands through this blockbuster. So it was cool for me as a child of the 90s seeing the blockbuster, and I I don't know, it, it, it really... F set the movie up for the uh the setting uh another thing that set this up is we saw younger versions of nick fury and agent phil colson uh it was, it was pretty cool seeing a young nick fury you can tell that they're doing their famous uh de-aging cgi to give fury and colson that 90s look uh Samuel L. Jackson has never really looked his age, I think, uh, past uh, the prequel Star Wars movies and all of that. He's really always kind of looked younger than he really is. So thankfully, I don't think they did had to do a whole lot besides, you know, giving him some hair, not giving him the uh, the eye patch to really youngify uh, Nick Fury and really give him that beat cop kind of experiencing this for the first time uh it almost seemed to me like colson was already an agent of shield so maybe he he actually is the one to recruit uh nick fury which i think is an interesting and kind of different aspect going into this uh mcu continuity but i really enjoyed seeing them and of course uh you get the famous samuel L. jackson monologue to start the trailer off that uh that worked so well with the Age of Ultron trailer. Uh, and what I really get from this trailer is that we're essentially getting, and I think um, Grace Randolph of Beyond the Trailer made a really good analogy here, where it's 
Green Lantern meets the Winter Soldier uh, with Carol Danvers' background as an air woman and being in the Air Force, we get that Hal Jordan kind of background, being uh, literally crashing down back to Earth a la Abin Sur. And then also we get kind of glimpses of because she talks about how she doesn't recognize Earth, she has flashes of memories, like she could have had a life here, but she doesn't remember it, and you see that she's part of the uh, the Kree Star Force. Uh, I'm getting some kind of brainwashing uh, vibes here, Winter Soldier style, so I think it's going to be interesting getting into that uh that aspect of the story because it's something that at least i'm not very familiar with and i don't think has been done with carol danvers before uh we also get our uh we get a couple shots of the kree which are making a return they made their first appearance uh in universe in the first guardians of the galaxy movie with ronan and his uh merry band of misfits uh ronan is making an appearance here as a younger, more idealized uh, Kree general, so I'm interested to see how we get from that to uh, radical heretic Ronan. Uh, maybe they'll make that transition here, maybe they won't. But we also got glimpses of the Skrulls, which are going to be the main antagonists for this film. Uh, we Beyond the uh, set photos and the officially uh, distributed photos that we got from the I want to say it was Entertainment Weekly magazine last month. Uh, we haven't we didn't really get a good shot of uh, Ben Mendelsohn who is playing the uh, kind of the leader of the Skrulls or the Skrulls themselves, but we do know that they are a bit of a departure from the original appearance of how the Skrulls looked, uh, which did need an update, but. I think they could have stuck with the little weird hoods that they wear, but this leads me to kind of believe that this is going to be right smack dab in the middle of the Kree-Skrull War, and that uh, Carol, Nick Fury, Agent Coulson are going to have to deal with Earth kind of being caught in the middle. Uh, Coulson talked about uh, in previous films how this wasn't his first rodeo, and uh, Clark Gregg, who plays Phil Coulson, has said that this might just be the rodeo. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Uh, I'm also interested to see how they uh, how they kind of translate Carol's power set into the films. We got glimpses of it. We got her uh, firing blasts on top of a bus. We got her kind of powering up at the climax of the trailer. Uh, I'm interested. I think that it's very easy to make Carol's abilities look cheap. Uh flight super strength we've seen with other films like thor and those aspects of her powers i'm not as concerned with but it's you know the energy blasts and stuff like that that i really hope they put some time and effort into uh cgi wise because i want them to look good i don't want them to um look as cheap as you know say uh dragon ball evolution to name a really really awful example of their uh, their quote-unquote beam attacks but i'm really looking forward to it we also got glimpses of star force which uh is carol's kind of squad which includes a couple people including uh korath the pursuer uh played by jimon honso i know i said that totally incorrectly and i do apologize but um this is supposed to be kind of I'm assuming is going to be kind of an origin story for him as well to kind of tell us what happened to drive him into uh, Ronan's, 
I guess, employ as a mercenary. And we got a, we did get a glimpse of Jude Law's Marvel, the original Captain Marvel. We don't really know what his, uh, really what his contribution to the film is going to be. I'm assuming he's going to be Carol's mentor, leader of the Star Force, what have you. But uh, I'm not really sure what where he fits in the story. Um, where he's going to. I don't want to say matter, but like his contributions to the overall arching story. Uh, but of course, we'll have to watch the film to see that. I was super impressed by uh, the helmet. Uh, for those of you who aren't super familiar with Carol in the comics, uh, Captain Marvel has this kick-ass looking red helmet that exposes uh, her mouth kind of Batman style and kind of has like an opening at the top where her hair pokes out and like a little mini mohawk and they showed it in the trailer uh it was of course a version of it in the kind of like seafoam green and black uh color palette that she's rocking for probably the majority of the film but i liked the helmet it looked good it looked like it was a piece of the armor that it wasn't just tacked on it kind of bothered me that in the close-up the uh the nose bridge part didn't completely line up with her nose i hope they fix that but overall i really enjoyed seeing that aspect because i know there are a lot of people who are big fans of the helmet myself included that uh have been kind of disappointed that we haven't seen it in any of the set photos or press releases yet uh and overall I'm really interested to see how this uh, how this kind of affects the MCU going forward. We knew we do know that uh, Captain Marvel is going to be a big part of Avengers Four and taking down Thanos. Uh, with the implication of the scrolls in this film, we could be building up to Secret Invasion, which is one of my favorite Marvel stories. Uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there's a lot to uh go through when it comes to this film and its wider implications on the greater dc universe so i'm excited for this film i'm excited to see more and i just hope that the uh the trailer has kind of a more focused approach with the uh with the next trailer now next up we have some not so exciting news um Rumor is uh, Henry Cavill, who has been playing Superman in the DCEU since... When did Man of Steel come out? 2012? Something like that? Um, Might be done playing Superman. Uh, There's been a lot of back and forth on whether... uh, he has been kicked out of w of uh, warner brothers if they have just let him go to pursue like a supergirl project but um a lot of this has been hearsay uh there's been different official statements from both sides but apparently uh from a lot of different reports this has been coming down to contract contract disputes uh apparently cavill has or cavill uh has been kind of feeling himself lately he's uh been moving up in the world he's his most recent film which was uh the newest mission impossible did incredibly well and he has just recently booked the uh lead in the netflix witcher series so his stock is on the rise and i think it's at this point that he and his agent danny garcia decided to try and um renegotiate their contracts with warner brothers and with dc and apparently there's been a lot of back and forth and a lot of um not so nice uh 
behind the scenes stuff going on when it comes to that so this might kind of be the next logical step towards that uh warner brothers did announce that they are working on a supergirl film uh which would kind of mitigate the whole uh need for a superman in the first place uh saying is how depending on their time frame on when her story takes place he could either be a uh toddler and infant or he could still be superman but elsewhere in the world so there's a lot of narrative potential for that uh i know at this point uh it's that was kind of a lot of people are saying that that was kind of the first shot towards um towards cavill when it comes to his contract renegotiations and them basically saying like we can replace you but a lot of it's hearsay um he posted an interesting video on Instagram of him with some kind of sad music holding up a Superman action figure. Uh, Warner Brothers put out a statement basically saying we've always had a great relationship with uh, Henry Cavill and no uh, decision has been made. And then uh, Danny Garcia, who is Cavill's agent, uh, has been basically said, like, don't worry, he's still got the cape in his closet. Like, this is all being blown out of proportion but there's a lot of things that are going on um there's no real uh concrete answer and no one seems willing to give a concrete answer uh there was a rumor this week that warner brothers might even be looking to replace uh henry cavill with an african-american actor Uh, a lot of people have said michael b jordan other names have come up as well um i am kind of neither here nor there on it uh if they decide to make if they do decide to replace cavill and replace him with an african-american actor if we go for full reset since uh ben affleck who for those who don't know has uh recently checked himself into rehab and is seems to be on his way out of the uh of the dc film universe as well we don't really know for sure but um if they do kind of hit a hard reset or decide to build off new characters off of their groundwork uh there's a lot of narrative potential that comes from that if they decide to make clark kent and therefore superman an african-american alien i mean he's an alien so he can be whatever skin color those aliens happen to be uh what i think might be more um exciting i guess because there is precedent for superman being an african-american there are a couple um, elseworld stories where he is an african-american uh superhero there's one uh alternate dc earth where he's essentially obama where (laughs) he uh he's basically uh the president and also superman so there is precedent for that but what i think would be more interesting is valzad now for those of you who don't know valzad is a character from the earth 2 line of comics coming out of the new 52 he was a kryptonian who was found by the government and has was kept under surveillance and under uh red sun light until he was found by this world's justice league slash justice society slash wonders um 
and he was essentially a Superman who ended up fighting an evil clone of the original Superman who on that world had died previously. So Valzad, I think, is a really interesting character and has a lot of narrative potential, I think, if you wanted to go that route. Um, I don't know how willing Michael B. Jordan would be to jump ship from Marvel, which kind of brought him back into the forefront mainstream-wise with uh, his role as Killmonger in Black Panther. Um, I think there's a lot of younger and not even younger, you know, mid-30s African-American actors who do deserve that spotlight. So, again, that's off of a hypothetical, so we don't really know uh, what the possibility of that is, so we will see. But, um, let's jump into more positive uh, DC film news where we have our first look at the Joker film. Uh, The Joker film that is being uh, kind of set up as a solo film set in an alternate world apart from the DCEU or the worlds of DC. uh, The Joker is being portrayed by Joaquin Phoenix and we have an official look from him that was released to uh to the press where they also revealed that his character is a downtrodden member of society who has been basically ridiculed and exiled from modern society and is on the verge of cracking and the best part i think is his name his name is arthur fleck now if that doesn't sound weird to you uh if you take away the rest of his first name except his first initial you get a fleck i'll give you a second yeah there you go there you go uh i think it's a weird shot at uh ben affleck um and i'm i don't know that that was intentional but um but you never know these days with dc and all the things that they're doing so um I think it looks interesting. Uh, he looks strung out. He looks like a struggling, starving artist. Uh, and I'm interested to see where the story goes. We got some uh, set photos and video as well of him walking out from what looks to me like an audition that he looks like he bombed. And he's confronted by a large clown man on Amusement Mile, which is a long standing. Uh, set piece in Batman comics. Uh, Amusement Mile is kind of the carnival theme park part of Gotham that Joker routinely makes his base of operations, so I loved seeing that. But uh, we will see. This isn't a whole lot to go off of. This isn't a trailer. This isn't really anything uh, besides a first look at Joaquin Phoenix in the lead role and a little bit of uh, set footage. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it is in context. But yeah, so we have our first uh, first look at this Joker film that has a lot of intrigue and uh, curiosity behind it. Another bit of uh, curiosity and intrigue comes from the latest Tokyo Game Show, where they debuted another trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3. For those of you who are just joining us or don't really uh, aren't really familiar with our podcast, we have been doing a Kingdom Hearts series, uh, starting with the first Kingdom Hearts and chronologically making our way through the series up until the release of Kingdom Hearts 3 on January 29th. Uh, so far, we have released episodes on the first Kingdom Hearts game, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, and Kingdom Hearts 2. 
Go ahead and check those out if you haven't already. They're great. They are the most popular episodes so far on our uh, on our podcast on our channel. We are. I'm super proud of those episodes you guys really seem to be enjoying them so i'm glad that we're both enjoying this series our next uh installment of that will be in two weeks and it's going to be focused on the game uh kingdom hearts 358 days over two featuring my favorite kingdom hearts character roxas but um that is two weeks from now right now we're going to be talking about the extended kingdom hearts 3 trailer that they debuted at tokyo game show uh there's a lot to unpack here there's a lot to get into i'm going to try to uh go bullet point by bullet point as much as i can uh starting off with big hero 6 they teased big hero 6 i want to say last year as a possible world for kingdom hearts 3 and here it is in all its glory, showing the characters, showing some of the Heartless you'll be facing, and some of the gameplay in that world. Uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy are going to be uh, teaming up with the Big Hero 6, including our favorite Baymax, and they're going to be just running around superhero style, which I'm super excited for. I really enjoyed Big Hero 6 as a film when I went and saw it, and I'm looking forward to more of that. Uh, we also got some shots of the Xehanort vessels, the uh, 13 Darknesses, uh, including showing off Demix, who uh, hasn't really made any appearances in these trailers. Apparently he is going to be part of this group. Uh, we got a few... Or the trailer itself opened up with uh, Xehanort and Ericus, young versions playing chess. And I think it's really interesting if you look on the board, when uh, at the beginning of the trailer Xehanort calls checkmate, we see that there are 13 pieces on uh, Xehanort's side that have surrounded the one piece from uh, Ericus's uh, set. And Ericus seems to think that even though Xehanort is called Checkmate, that the game isn't over. So I'm really interested to see how much Ericus actually ties into the story. Because as a character in the uh, Birth by Sleep game, he was really set up as kind of the Obi-Wan Kenobi character, who uh, the mentor who gets killed off of the story. The, uh, the course of the story and I've been really interested and kind of curious why they've been giving him so much spotlight in these trailers but a new person who has stepped into the spotlight is Davy Jones from the Pirates of the Caribbean world uh, I'm assuming, judging from past trailers and this trailer that we will be playing through the events of um, Pirates of the Caribbean 3 at World's End where they have the Captain Jack uh, Elizabeth Swan Will Turner, etc., will be facing off against Davy Jones. We also got some clips of some ship combat. Uh, it doesn't look as intuitive as, say, like a uh, Assassin's Creed ship combat, but I'm interested to see how they play this out. Um, from what we've seen, the gameplay from there has been pretty interesting. We've seen shots of uh, Sora flying above the sea, him driving a ship. So I'm interested to see what uh, what they do with this world. They're looking to make it pretty unique from the rest of the game. Uh, another awesome cameo we saw was from our old friends at Twilight Town, uh, Hater Pence and Olette. Uh, the Twilight Town gang seems to be teaming up with Sora, Donald, and Goofy to go to the digital Twilight Town from the uh, prologue of Kingdom Hearts 2 in an effort to try and find Roxas. So 
I'm super stoked for that. Uh, we also got what seems to be the return of the Riku replica from Chain of Memories. Uh, he makes an appearance, or he seems to make an appearance as one of the 13 Darknesses, uh, giving a or uh, having a little confrontation with Sora. We also seem to be coming upon us a scene where Vanitas has found Ventus, his other half. Uh, if you want more info on that, just wait a couple months for our Birth by Sleep episode, and we will give you all of the info that you need to know for them. Uh, we also got a shot of Aqua, who we now know is one of the 13 Darknesses under Xehanort's control. Uh, and we also got the first appearance in these trailers from Old Man Xehanort, Master Xehanort, who is the antagonist throughout this entire series called the Xehanort Saga. Uh, he finally makes an appearance. I'm really interested. I was talking to uh, friend Kenny uh, the other day about what they're going to do voice actor-wise, since in Birth by Sleep, Old Man Xehanort was played by the legendary Leonard Nimoy, and him not being, or him have passing uh, a few years ago, really kind of puts a uh, interesting dilemma on the English voice cast. And the last thing, the very last thing you see in the trailer is a figure taking their hood off, also in the organization cloak, and it looks to be my boy Roxas. So he's back. He's bound to be back. He's got to be back. Um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for this game, and I'm really excited to see uh, what this game entails. Uh, I feel like they've shown a lot. I'm worried that they've shown too much, but I have to trust uh, Tatsuya Nomura and the whole team behind that that they haven't shown too much, but I think as a final trailer for me, this ticks all the boxes. So really excited about that. Uh, we also got some news late in the day uh, yesterday on Tuesday, and I am going to go through both of these uh, news pieces here. Uh, we got some news for, about the new Disney streaming service. For those who don't know, uh, DC recently has been beta launch, or I believe launched their uh, DC streaming service. So if you want to check that out, go for it. Um, I am waiting until a time that it looks like it's good to jump on. So once I do, you'll get a full uh review of that service from me so disney had to have a response and uh with the disney fox merger going on it looks like disney from what i've been hearing is putting up their own streaming service uh it's not known whether they're going to be taking over hulu which is uh owned by fox or if they are going to be um coming up with their own but they announced this week that there will be certain characters from the MCU who will be getting their own shows on the Disney streaming service. They named two, and that's Loki and Scarlet Witch. I don't know how I feel about these shows. Um, I think it's great that Scarlet Witch is getting something to flesh her character out. Elizabeth Olsen has been really killing it as uh, Wanda Maximoff in all of the appearances she's made, and I'm always down for more character building with her, especially if um, 
we start to explore more of her backstory when it comes to possibly being Magneto's daughter, if we see possibly Aaron Taylor Johnson showing back up as Quicksilver. Uh, the other one I'm less sold on. I think Loki kind of got his send-off in Infinity War. I know there are many people who believe that he's still alive or that something is going to happen to revive him. Uh, narratively, I don't really know where else you can go with him unless this series is a prequel. And even then, Loki didn't really become an interesting character until he turned on Thor in the first Thor movie. So I'm not sure exactly what they have planned for these characters. Uh, they are going to be reprised by Elizabeth Olsen and Tom Hiddleston, but we will have to wait until we get more info on that. Uh, the other news, which I'm really, really, I'm, I'm really stoked about this, guys. I mean this, uh, is that Netflix has announced that they are going to be doing a live-action Avatar The Last Airbender series. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know, listen to me, I know we had a bad time last time The Last Airbender was turned live action. I get it, I understand, I completely understand. I I remember seeing that movie, I was getting an oil change, and I decided to walk over to the movie theater that was nearby, and I watched it alone. And I was really sad, guys. I was, it made me sad. Um, but... The big thing about this is that A, it's going to be a series, not trying to smush everything into a two-hour film, and B, it's going to be done by the original creators of Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, the only thing that we have seen is a little bit of concept art, but I think it looks great. I'm really interested to see where it goes. I've already got a couple friends who are actors, who are just chopping at the bit to audition for this uh myself included but um we will have to see what happens when we get more info about it but i'm just i'm really excited about this because uh avatar the last airbender is one of my top five uh animated shows of all time and i i'm down for anything involving that series i love that series so much and i'm looking forward to getting more especially because it's going to be helmed by the original creators so that is it for our news segment. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and for uh, going through all this news with me. Uh, stay tuned after the jump. We're going to be doing this week's episode of uh, This Week in Comics. And this week's episode or this week's segment is super size. We've got a lot of comics to go through. So stick right with us uh, after the jump. All right. So, um,. This week's segment of This Week in Comics is going to be a little bit different. Uh, normally, I try to narrow it down to five issues that I think you should pick up, but there's so much going on this week. There's so many books dropping this week that I had to stretch it out. This week, we are getting eight almost double the amount that we normally get but i genuinely think that this these are all books that you should be picking up um this will be this episode will be uh releasing on new comic book day uh so if you haven't already hit up the comic shop listen to this 
Hopefully you uh, get some ideas of some books that you should pick up, or if you're already picking them up, you have an extra incentive to because someone else is sharing your opinion that they're good books. And uh, we'll just we'll jump right into it. So the first on our list is Batman number 55, written by Tom King with art by Tony S. Daniel. Uh, this is the continuation of... Uh, Batman post-wedding, he has reverted to his uh, Hush-era costume, and he is teaming up with Nightwing. There are also supposed to be some uh, interesting implications when it comes to this issue going into the uh, Nightwing series going forward. I'm not going to spoil for you if you haven't heard the news already, but uh, just pick up this book. Do it. So um, I'll jump right into the synopsis. <clears throat> synopsis voice. The KG Beast lives. The Russian super assassin is back, but under whose orders? Does he have a specific mission, or is this simply some leftover Cold War mayhem? Niet, comrade. It has to do with Bruce Wayne's recent court case involving Mr. Freeze. Something is rotten in Gotham, and you can still smell it, even if it's on ice. So I've been really enjoying uh, Tom King dealing with Batman post-wedding, uh, his kind of weird depression that he's going through, and I'm always down for Bruce and Dick getting together and just having good old times and like fighting like the dynamic duo of old. So this is definitely top of my list. Pick this up. And next up, we have Mr. Miracle number 11, uh, also written by Tom King with art by Mitch Jarrods and Nick Darrington. I've been really enjoying this book, guys. If you haven't already, uh, Mr. Miracle is one of the top books at DC right now. It's a maxi series, so there's only 12 issues. This is issue number 11 of 12. If you haven't been reading this book, do yourself a favor. Pick up the first 10 issues, pick up this issue, and then pick up issue number 12 when it comes out. This book has been so good. It's been so good. Um, I just, I can't, I can't explain how book this is how good this book has been, so I'm going to do the synopsis. If there's one thing popular fiction has taught us by now, it's never make a deal with the devil. And yet Mr. Miracle is still listening when Darkseid approaches him with just such a devilish proposition. If Scott sends his newborn son to Apocalypse, there will be peace on New Genesis. Since when has Darkseid been famous for his honesty? It'll be a miracle if this doesn't blow up in Scott's face. So this series has been a great character piece on Scott Free. Uh, he's not a very well-known character outside of the comics, so if you're not familiar with him, um, he is essentially... Jesus? <laughs> um, so backstory, those of you who know Darkseid know that he rules over a planet named Apocalypse. Well, as part of the fourth world line created by Jack Kirby, Apocalypse has a sister planet called New Genesis, where it's basically like heaven in the way that Apocalypse is like hell. And hundreds of thousands of years ago, uh, Darkseid and the Allfather made a pact between their two warring worlds. They would trade sons and there would be peace. So the Allfather sent his son Scott Free to essentially, as a baby, be raised by Darkseid, and Darkseid did the same with his son Orion. So 
Scott Free is a new Genesis. He's a new god who has been raised under the iron fist of Darkseid, and he is now known as Mr. Miracle, the man who can escape anything. And this series has been a great character piece on him and Big Barda, their relationship, how they are brand new parents, and now Scott is faced with the same exact uh, deal, the same exact problem that his father was faced in, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does. I've been loving this book. I think if you even if you don't have a cursory knowledge of comics if you don't really if you're not really familiar with mr miracle this is a great book to jump into not issue 11 you need to jump in on issue one but if you've been following it this is the book to pick up for sure and number three on our list, we are just powering through these, is Avengers number eight. This is written by Jason Aaron with art by David Marquez. I really enjoyed the first uh, the first arc for this book. Um, I'm a huge fan of Jason Aaron as a writer, and I really think that this book is going to kind of set the tone for what the... Uh, marvel comics universe as well as the marvel cinematic universe is going to be moving towards a lot of these characters are uh a lot of the characters on this team comprise of characters who either have gotten or will get a cinematic uh version in the next year and i think that this is a good if you're going to read any marvel book and you have a cursory knowledge of the mcu but you don't want to jump into everyone's um uh, solo series yet this is a great book to pick up they just wrapped up the first arc so this is a great jumping on point uh let's get into the synopsis in the aftermath of their world-shaking battle against the dark celestials the new avengers team is officially formed complete with a startling new headquarters at the top of the world behold the wonders of avengers mountain but someone who doesn't seem impressed is Namor, the ferocious lord of Atlantis, whose rage may turn the oceans red with blood. So it's always a good time saying Namor, uh, basically asshole Aquaman. And you can't not love the David Marquez art. David Marquez is one of my favorite artists working at Marvel, and he is fantastic. The storytelling has been really good, seeing this hodgepodge team kind of come together with the classics Cap, Thor, and Iron Man leading the way with uh, relative newcomers to the Avengers, such as uh, Jed Walter's She-Hulk, um, the Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider. This is a good book. Definitely check this out. Um, if you haven't really gotten too deep into comics or even if you're a big marvel fan like definitely pick up this book and the next book that you should pick up though it might be a little bit more high concept is thor number five written by jason aaron with art by mike del mundo uh this is an interesting uh time for thor fans uh Jason Aaron recently wrapped up his amazing run with uh, Jane Foster's Thor, and the Odin son is now back in control of uh, his mantle as Thor. And the last arc was interesting. Uh, Thor and Loki went to hell, basically, and kind of rounded up a new crew to combat Malekith and his whole. I don't want to call them the Legion of Doom because that's not what they are, but that title really fits them uh in the 
oncoming War of the Realms. Uh, this issue is going to be a bit of a departure to that because Jason Aaron and uh, Mike Del Mundo are doing essentially two stories. One is the present day going through uh, the whole War of the Realms, and the other story is far, far in the future. We're talking millions and millions of years in the future. And um, I'll just jump into the synopsis and you can kind of figure out what's going on with this uh, with this issue. Get ready for King Thor and the Phoenix, bub. In the far future, Allfather Thor reignited the Earth and sparked new life in the universe. But now, something is wiping out other worlds and Midgard won't be far behind. Luckily, Thor isn't the only god left. But is the phoenix-possessed Wolverine a friend or foe? So yeah, uh, Wolverine has the phoenix, and things are happening. <laughs> uh, I think this benefits from being thousands, if not millions and millions and millions of years in the future. Uh, but I'm interested to see old man Thor and phoenix Wolverine kind of tussle i've been recently listening to wolverine a long night or the long night which is a podcast that you should also definitely check out it's more of a uh, audio drama serialized podcast but it's kind of re-sparked my interest in the character i love this character but uh the comics have not been super kind to him so i'm interested to see what role he plays here and next up we have West Coast Avengers number two, written by Kelly Thompson with art by Stefano Caselli. Uh, I really, really enjoyed West Coast Avengers number one. It's just a fun book. It's a fun book. They had you can tell that the writers and the artists are having the time of their lives with these characters. Uh, I love Snarky Hawkeye. Snarky Hawkeye's the best Hawkeye, and him teaming up with Kate Bishop Hawkeye is just it's always a good combination. Uh, they also have one of my favorite new X characters, Quentin Quire. It's just, it's a great little fun book and living on the West Coast uh, here in LA, I think it's cool to have a team for the West Coast. I know that the West Coast Avengers has a long-standing history, but I think this updated version is going to give us kind of the same vibe that I got from the Champions book when it first started out. Uh, we'll jump into the synopsis here. You thought giant land sharks were bad? How about former West Coast Avenger Tigra transformed into an extremely grouchy, extremely enormous woman? But Tigra isn't the half of it. Who's the insanely handsome man behind the curtain pulling her strings? Hawkeye, Hawkeye, America Chavez, Fuse, Gwenpool, and Kid Omega are here to uncover the mystery and save the city of Los Angeles from certain death, but not extreme property damage. They may not be the heroes that need... Try that again. They may not be the heroes we need, but they're certainly the ones we deserve. Strap in, folks. So I love the little Dark Knight callback with that. And uh, this team is just, it's in that magic period where they're not all on the same page and they're still feeling each other out and learning how to be a team. So this is a definite pickup from me. And number six this week, we are working our way through, folks. We're almost there. <laughs> uh, it's Justice League number eight, uh, written by Scott Snyder and uh, James Tynan. I think James Tynan IV has taken lead on this with... Um, uh, the outline done by Scott Snyder, uh, with art by, uh, I always, 
Oh, I always feel bad. Uh, Mikhail Janin. It might be Michael Janin. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so they're the main focus on this book. Uh, they just wrapped up the first Justice League arc. And it's basically, from what I understand, every fourth issue is going to be a Legion of Doom story, focusing on them instead of the League. So last issue, uh, this is a spoiler for Justice League number seven. So if you don't want to get spoiled, if you haven't read that issue yet, skip ahead about 30 seconds. Uh, from right here uh, Batman Who Laughs appeared at the end of Justice League number 7 and it looks like he's going to be joining the Legion so I'm really interested in this this is going to be a great story I'm really looking forward to uh, finding out what's next for their behind the scenes story so we'll jump into the synopsis Part 2 of the Legion of Doom storyline focuses on Lex Luthor's recruiting efforts, and this time around, he's targeting both Cheetah and Black Manta for membership. Lex knows just what buttons to push to acquire his superpowered muscle, and this issue, it's all about getting revenge on Wonder Woman and Aquaman respectively. We bet they sign right up as soon as they find out Lex has medals Batman Who Laughs locked up in Doom HQ. So, um, I didn't realize before reading that synopsis that they had that spoiler in the synopsis, so if you jumped ahead and the spoiler was there, I apologize. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm really interested in this. Um, I like that they have a clear and concise uh, vision for the Justice League book, and these little uh, Legion of Doom interludes have been really good so far. I really liked the first one, and I can't imagine why I wouldn't like the second one. So I am going to jump over to Marvel for our two final blockbuster uh, books to pick up this week. And we are going to start with Return of Wolverine number one. So this is one of uh, five issues uh, written by Charles, Charles Sewell with art by Steve McNiven. Uh, I'll jump into the synopsis because uh, if you if you uh, don't know exactly from the title what's going on, the synopsis will tell you exactly what you need to know. <clears throat> He's back, bub. And that's it. That's the listed solicited uh, synopsis. So that really tells you all you need to know. A Wolverine, the uh, mainline Wolverine, has been dead for the last, I want to say, what? three two three years and uh, he recently came back in marvel legacy number one so they had the big uh hunt for wolverine trying to figure out why he's alive how he came back all this stuff so this book or at least across this this series this five issue series is supposed to give us those answers um i'm excited i enjoyed the death of wolverine so uh i kind of bypassed and did uh, bullet points for uh, Hunt for Wolverine because there was just too many books and I didn't want to pick up all those books but uh, I'll definitely be picking this up Return of Wolverine looks to be a landmark uh, really a landmark issue for this character uh, we've had Old Man Logan which is one of my favorite characters in all of the X-Men comics uh, but it looks like they're going to be killing him off uh, this year so or within the next year so um this is going to be the one and only wolverine him coming back is a big deal and i'm looking forward to seeing how they explain why he's back 
And wrapping up our list for this week in comics is a land is another landmark in itself. It's going to be the first issue of DC's Black Label line. Um, I know retroactively they have claimed that uh, Batman White Knight was part of the Black Label line, but it was not printed with the Black Label uh, label. So this is the very first DC Black Label book, and that is Batman Damned number one. Now these are. Um, uh, double-sized prestige format comics. There's only three issues, so uh, Batman Damn number one is a big buy. Uh, it's honestly promising a lot, and I'm hoping it sticks to the landing, so here's the synopsis. DC Black Label, the highly anticipated new imprint from DC Comics, starts here. The Joker is dead. There is no doubt about that. But whether Batman finally snapped his scrawny neck or some other sinister force in Gotham City did the deed is still a mystery. Problem is, Batman can't remember. And the more he digs into this labyrinthian case, the more his mind starts to doubt everything he's uncovering. So who better to set him straight than John Constantine? Problem with that is as much as John loves a good mystery, he loves messing with people's heads even more. So with John's quote-unquote help. The pair will delve into the sordid underbelly of Gotham as they race toward the mind-blowing truth of who murdered the Joker. Batman Damned is a bi-monthly supernatural horror story told by two of comics' greatest modern creators, a visceral thrill ride that proudly puts the black in black label. So who are those two greatest modern creators uh that's going to be brian azarello and lee bermejo who have worked together on many many books before including the critically acclaimed joker uh the luthor book uh batman noel so you're getting quality with these stories uh this again promises to be the very first in the uh, black label line i'm really looking forward to it it's for mature readers it's gonna handle some dark stuff and I'm looking forward to all of it. We're going to be getting a brutal, unrated Batman. And what better time to do this than on the uh, what looks to be the sunset of Ben Affleck as Batman. Uh, I'm always also into the idea of Batman coming into the occult. Uh, John Constantine is an incredibly engaging character. And the fact that uh, Batman believes that criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot but doesn't believe himself to be superstitious lends itself a lot to these kind of culture cultures clashing in this story so definitely pick this up um i will do a quick rundown that is the list here's a recap it's batman number 55 mr miracle number 11 avengers number 8 thor number 5 west coast avengers number 2 justice league number 8 batman damned number 1 and return of wolverine number 1 go to your local comic book shop or go on any comic book app where you get your comics get these books read these books let me know what you thought uh you can Feel free to tweet at me any books that I missed, any books you think I should pick up. Uh, you can tweet at me or email me uh, at Geeksplainedpod on Twitter. That's at, 
at that's at geeksplained pod you can also send me emails because i'm an old man and i still read emails you can send those to geeksplained at gmail.com uh feel free to send recommendations for books let me know how we're doing on the podcast uh feel free to request future episodes i've got a few episodes uh kind of in the vault right now uh from requests from viewers just like you so i always i always enjoy getting requests for episodes uh the whole kingdom hearts series that i'm doing right now was a request from uh a listener and a good friend of the podcast amian garcia so feel free to send any of those um episode requests any comics you think i should pick up or just anything that you think it would be cool to talk about i love engaging in conversations with you guys and i will wrap that up here so next week will be our 25th episode can you believe that so tune in next week for our 25th episode same bat time same bat channel and for geek explain this is eric azana thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time